What if I told you that if you were called to reach Nigerians with the gospel, you might have to go all the way to Murfreesboro to do it? There are 90 different languages spoken in the greater Middle Tennessee area. And Fadi has been on the cutting edge of this for some time, and we're grateful for his leadership in our congregation to be able to reach many of these different kind of ethnic peoples who moved for various reasons to the Middle Tennessee area, but who, because they are now here, we now have the chance to reach them with the gospel. And we've talked to you about a hundred healthy congregations that we want to be part of. Some of these will be church plants. Some of these will be partners. Some of these will be uh, congregations that are in transition. A, a Caucasian uh, church is now in a Hispanic community. Uh, uh, an African-American church is now surrounded uh, by an Asian community. On and on the list goes of how the different, you see, it's not just more people. It's different types of people. And as different types of people move into the area, it changes how the church has to reach those people. If you were in Japan as a missionary, you'd be expected to, to be able to speak Japanese. Same thing. Not everybody likes one flavor of, van of vanilla ice cream or Rocky Road ice cream. That's why uh, Baskin Robbins has 31 flavors of ice cream. There are lots of ways to do church. And we have to be uh, wise enough, uh, careful enough that we identify the types of churches that reach these different communities best from the Kentucky line to the Alabama line. Now, we talk about 100 churches. I think it's going to be more. But if I told you that, it'd scare you to death. So we'll just stick with 100 number. Working with the pastors. Uh, did you see Pastor Mo talk about the brotherhood that happened the first time we got together with, with uh, some of the pastors in the area after COVID. A lot of our pastor friends have been fighting this thing by themselves, making the decision in the churches by themselves, and it's wore them out. So to have a time for encouragement and time of teaching, I have the great privilege of working with our pastors, Jay and Aaron, uh, Matt, Wade, and all, and all of them. Uh, and it is more fun than, uh, than anything else I get to do. But now that mission is expanding. I get to work with pastors uh, all throughout Middle Tennessee. I've told you before that the best thing that happened to me as I was growing up in the ministry when I was a young minister is that I was liked by old people, old guys in the ministry, Horace Sims, um, uh, Jimmy Harley, um, Hardy Clemens, all these guys would take me out to coffee when I was in their town or when we would meet at various meetings, and, uh, and they would teach me how to pastor a church. And now, I'm the old guy. I don't know how that happened, but now I'm the old guy. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and a great privilege to be able to sit with a lot of these younger pastors and say, Here's, here's how we did it, or here's what we've learned. You know, wisdom sometimes just means we messed up before you did. And uh, we would go, no, we wouldn't advise that. <laughs> so, uh, and that'll change the, 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 the place of this facility. 
Uh, this building now becomes the hub of all the training, all the workshops, all the seminars, all of uh, uh, concerts uh, and different events like that. It's just not used on Sunday morning anymore. It has to be able to be versatile and expand to, to do that. We're asking you to join us in the Pursue campaign. Take care of giving Avenue South a permanent facility uh, in, uh, in the Melrose area. To talk about how we reach these hundred churches and how we update this facility to get ready for its future use. $30 million is our annual budget. So over the next two years, we're asking that you give just one more annual budget over the next two years. I don't know your finances. I don't know your details. I just know this. Every time God has challenged us in the past, you have always been faithful. Uh, this has repercussions and um, impact way beyond anything that we have seen before. And so I'm counting on you and praying that you will be faithful uh, once again as we do this. If you want to call and talk to me about it, send me an email, whatever. I'd love, I'd love to continue this conversation and help you understand just what God is opening up for us in these uh, months ahead. All of us have a question we would ask Jesus. And we have said out loud on more than one occasion, well, when I get to heaven, this is what I'm going to talk to Jesus about. Or I'm going to ask Jesus about this one day as if Jesus is just scared to death, putting off the second coming because he's afraid of the grilling that we're going to give him one day. Did you ever know that guy? That guy in your school, your neighborhood, who would tell you what he will do when the bullies come back and the bully shows up and he's quiet. Doesn't do anything, doesn't say anything. <laughs> I have a feeling that's the way we will be when we see Jesus. So I got a lot of questions now. You'll be overwhelmed by who he is. like the woman at the well, when she realized who was talking to her. Stand with me in honor of God's word as we read this very, very familiar story. Team, I think I'm going to jump down to verse 21. And Jesus told her, believe me, woman, that the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for our salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers of the Father will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. The one speaking to you 
am he. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Explain. Explain the great truth of who you are to us, even as you did to her. And we pray this in your name. Amen. You're, you're familiar with the story. It's one of our favorite Bible stories of how Jesus has a conversation with this woman at the well. The story begins with John telling us that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Truth is, he didn't. Samaria was off limits. It was that side of town for the Jews, and you would do anything to avoid going in or through Samaria. There were all kinds of alternative routes that would keep you out of Samaria. But John tells us Jesus had to do this. And you find out later the reason he did was so he could have the conversation with this woman. Five times she'd been divorced. And the man she was living with wasn't her husband. So she shyly confesses to Jesus. Now, you and I always assume that this woman is a five-time loser. That she had been in and out of marriages. And now she is just shacked up with some dude. We don't understand the culture of Jesus' time. Do you know that in the time of Jesus, only a man could pursue a divorce? Women didn't have the rights to ask for divorce. Only a man could do that. So you need to understand that this woman had not just been divorced five times. She had been thrown out five times. There was something about her that each husband said, I can live with this, I can overcome this, I can work through this, and five times they weren't able to do it. Three strikes, you're out. Five strikes? And now she had just given up. She didn't even try. The man she was living with wasn't even her husband. What do they say? Any port in a storm will do. Maybe it was some kind of physical issue. Maybe it was some kind of personality flaw. We don't know. We just know that sometimes anybody beats being alone. And when Jesus asks for her husband, she says she doesn't have one. When Jesus says, yeah, you're telling me the truth, she says, oh, you're a prophet. Isn't it amazing how anybody can talk religion all of a sudden? Let's not talk about my marriages. Let's not talk about me. The reason I come to the, to the well at noon is because I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. 
The Jews say we should worship in Jerusalem. The Samaritans say we have our own mountain. We'll worship here. Which mountain do you say? Jesus said it's not about a mountain. It's not about geography. Oh, I know, she said, when Messiah comes, he will fix everything. He'll answer all of our questions. And Jesus says, I'm here. I'm here. The radical teaching of the gospel is not that Jesus will come. That's great news, and we look forward to that day. It's not that he has come. We celebrate that every day of our life, that God would engage human history, that the word would become flesh. The radical teaching of Christianity is that he is here. So all of those things you've been saying to yourself, if Jesus were here, he could fix this. If Jesus were here, I'd ask him about this. You don't understand. But if I could get hold of Jesus, I would ask about my marriage. It's one struggle after another. I would ask about being free of this addiction. I've tried so many times, and I still end up stuck. If Jesus were here, he's here. Time to get it fixed. You ride in your car. The little dash light comes on. Nothing rumbles, nothing falls off, nothing smokes, just a dash light. You need to get it fixed. You go in. Tell your husband, tell your wife, that dash light's on again. We need to get that fixed. Don't have time today, dash light's still on. Don't have time tomorrow, dash light's still on. We need to get this fixed. We know, we just don't have time today. And then you're in the middle of traffic and you hear this. Smoke comes out from the hood. Guess what? You're going to fix your car today. <laughs> Dash light's on. You know you need to get it fixed. He's here. Time to get it fixed. Our deacons will be moving to the table. As they do, we invite you to join us in this moment of the Lord's Supper. If you belong to him and he belongs to you, then this belongs to you.
Jesus knew we were a forgetful people. There's an entire industry made up of nothing but gadgets to help us remember stuff. A couple of thousand years ago, Jesus gave us this bread and this cup so we would remember. He's here. Time to get it fixed. Lord Jesus, we gather at your table. Welcome us here that this may be a day of new things, of new ways of getting it fixed. We pray this in your name.